Good morning, Gator Nation. Welcome back to the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter at All Kinds Weather, on Instagram at All Kinds Weather Blog, and on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. My co-host, Chris Yanes, is also with us tonight. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Chris Bits. And joining us today is Mark Ryan, who talks about the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Clemson Tigers on a daily basis for the fan upstate radio in South Carolina. He is here to help preview the Gators' upcoming game against the South Carolina Gamecocks, which may be generating a bit more interest than maybe we thought it was going to have a week or two ago. But before we get into all of that, quick word about our sponsors slash partners. We are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that sends underprivileged or deserving Gator fans to the swamp. We collect donations from fans and we use them to bring someone to his or her first ever Gator football game. If you believe you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for 2023, it's never too early for us to start thinking about that. So please email us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. And of course, as always, donations are very much appreciated, although not expected. But if you would like to donate to our cause, please go to our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com, and click on the Donate button. Second, we're proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above areas, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. Number one is it is a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. Two, it is run by a UF alum and big-time Gator fan. And three, they've got the personal stamp of approval from In All Kinds of Weather because they did our new logo and our new website, too. Uh, oh, and they also did the Gator Good Foundation website, and they did the Gator Collective website, and the new Gator Collective logo, and they do the marketing for the Charleston Gator Club. So if you are listening to this podcast and you need help in any of the aforementioned areas, rest assured that Stingray Branding will more than take care of you. And with that said, my co-host Chris Yanes is with us tonight. Our guest for the evening is, as well, Mark Ryan, a radio host for The Fan Upstate in South Carolina. With us tonight, he covers both Clemson and South Carolina football on a regular basis. Fun fact about him, though, he is a University of Florida grad. He did used to cover the Florida Gators back when he worked for CBS Radio in Tampa. Also a friend of mine in this in the sports media industry. And Mark, thanks for coming on the show and welcome to the All Kinds of Weather Forecast. It is fantastic to be here, my man, Neil. And I am here to tell you the Florida Gators have a fantastic shot to finish this year in the top 25. Who'd have thunk it? We thought at the beginning of the year. We didn't so much think of it in the middle of the year. But if you, that last game, man, was so huge. I know you were there in College Station was so huge to build that ever-important mo. Four games remaining in the end of the year. Then you got another huge one, especially imagine me. Like, I go head-to-head with Gamecock fans every single week here. They, they, I got a really good relationship with Clemson fans. Um, you know, Gamecock fans and I are kind of like oil and water. So, you know, I, get, I did a game preview segment, I, or I did a game preview tweet the other day, Neil, and my game preview tweet was a gif of, a gator just chowing down on like a fish or a bird or something. And so 
folks, look, you got a great shot. Year one, Billy Napier, a great shot to finish in the top 25, a great shot to go eight and four, then a great shot to go nine and four. What do you say? Let's make it happen. Well, I mean, you've wasted no time proving to everybody that you are a professional radio host. That was, <laughs> that was, I mean, that was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, opening up with the, with the big opinion, Florida going eight and four, it, it's possible for sure. I don't, I don't know what I think of that game at FSU. That's going to be for sure the toughest of those three. If I could mention something to you, Neil, I'm not so sure that the ACC has a single team that is actually one of the 25 best in America. You know, I'm That's not going to so include sure. Clemson. I'm I- including Clemson. Why? Well, the coaches poll ranks Notre Dame number 25, right? Notre Dame destroyed Clemson. And it was just one game, but Clemson, you know, they, they came in number seven in rush defense. They couldn't stop Notre Dame from doing what they do, right? So Notre Dame has losses, as you know, to Marshall, uh, losses at home to Stanford. A check on the Pac-12 standings will tell you that Stanford is the last place team in the entire conference. Notre Dame lost to them at home within the last month. So, you know, if you're looking for data points that the ACC can boast that they're good outside of themselves, the one and only is Florida State beating LSU first game of the year. And that was before LSU was the LSU that you've come to know and that you've come to watch and observe and see. And so I'm here to tell you, man, like I don't, yeah, Florida State, number 18, number 21, hooey. Clemson controlled them from beginning to end, and Clemson got absolutely steamrolled by Notre Dame last weekend. Oh, okay, I hear you on that. The counterpoint, though, is that there's something to be said for teams that get better as the season goes on. Sure. You're talking LSU today, as you just mentioned, not the same team we saw in week zero. No, that wasn't week zero. That was week one uh, in, in New Orleans. You can say that teams get worse as the season goes on. I don't know that I'd say Clemson – I don't know that i say Clemson got worse as much as they just got exposed by a Notre Dame team that – seems to have gotten better. They don't I don't think that if they played Marshall again they would lose to them. But I don't know. I don't know that I say Clemson is not a top 25 team just cuz they had one terrible result for sure, but one result. They're in the top 25. My question is whether there's anybody in the ACC that is actually one of the 25 best in America. And at this point, you know, we also ran a poll this week, Neil would Notre Dame win the ACC this year if they were a member? 60% said yes. They'd win the ACC this year if they were if they were a member. Notre Dame was unranked on Friday, okay? They were they were unranked until Sunday. So I I just I I really, you know, think that there's not a lot of data points that show that the ACC is something. Florida State is 6 and 3. They had those three losses in a row there and you know, you just yeah, you have to ask yourself at, at at what point are you impressed with who they've beaten? They get the credit for the for the win against LSU. That's the best point data point the ACC has. Outside of that, Neil, ugh, you know, there's a reason they're earning the moniker the All Cupcakes Conference. I just call them the Athletically Challenged Conference. I guess yours works you too. Oh, I, I think that works. Yeah, <laughs> they are there. I might like yours better, man. I might like yours better than mine. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, cheers. Athletically challenged guys. The only the only problem with that is that they are good at baseball, but still, definitely uh, a fun term to use around 
my my FSU and Miami fans, uh, fan relatives and friends. So, Mark, you have an interesting background, definitely a, a dual background as a University of Florida grad. You covered the Gators in Tampa. You are now a member of the. I would I would say your your national media because you go to the SEC media days and your your job is to talk about the team that South Carolina plays. But you do have the orange and blue going through you, so we'll ask you the same questions that we ask uh, all of our guests. I mean, really, for the most part, uh, to start our show. First question for you is how and why did you decide to go to the University of Florida? Well, really interesting, brother. Really, really interesting. So. Um... I moved to Florida from Colorado in 1991, okay? My next-door neighbors, you got to make a choice. Which side are you going to go to? My next-door neighbors across the street were the most obnoxious Florida Gator fans you ever saw. So I went the other way. At my high school, the cool kids seemed to like Florida State. I've got obnoxious Gator fans across the street. I became a Florida State fan. Then I had a decision to make, right? Um, I got, uh, I was in music. And I had two interests. I had music and I had sports journalism. What do I want to do? Well, I was able to get into the School of Music at Florida State. And I was looking at the Florida School, Weimar Hall, College of Journalism and Communications. It was the best one. And I got into Weimar Hall. I got into the University of Florida, got that summer B acceptance, which means you barely got in. But close doesn't count, Neil. All that matters is that you got in. And I chose against the school that I was a fan of because I decided that I was more passionate about sports media than I was about music. Florida actually gave me a scholarship for trombone to go there and play trombone. So I got to do music at UF and I got to pursue, um, you know, sports media. And I'll tell you, though, the first fall, the first couple games, it was hard for me because it was kind of like, what am I doing? I'm a I was a Florida State fan. Like, what am I? And then by the time the Florida State game rolled around, man, was I all in on the orange and blue. It it just it envelops you, Neil. It envelops you. But yeah, some might some might be surprised to know that at 14 years of age, I moved to Florida, and I initially was Florida State because my neighbors were a pain in my padded arse. I love it. So your journey has definitely been. A, a long one to where you are now. So, I mean, you've made stops in Tampa. You've been in Houston. Uh, I mean, I think you had a you had a stint doing it nationally. How how did you wind up exactly in South Carolina now, covering the Gamecocks and Clemson Tigers? How did that most recent yeah, stop come yeah. about? Yeah, so right now we're um, kind of on the border of North and South Carolina. Um, definitely Carolina Panthers country, Clemson Tigers country, South Carolina Gamecocks country. And I was um, hosting part-time for Sports Radio 610 in Houston, and I was a full-time high school media teacher down there. And I really, like, I was in charge. You know how high schools have TV shows? I was in charge of the TV show for the high school. And I said to myself, okay, I'm not going to accept peanuts anymore. Uh, I, I felt like, you know, I had a chance to work in Orlando, in Tampa, in Miami, in Atlanta. In Houston, I felt like I had big market experience, but if there was a job that came open in a place that I would like to live, I would consider it. And this job came open. Uh, you do a search for Greenville, South Carolina. You can look it up on YouTube, man. And it is like one of the best kept secrets in the United States. You got the mountains. I can see the mountains right down my street. Uh, you got the beach two and a half hours away. 
You have Atlanta two hours, uh, Charlotte, Asheville, Gatlinburg, you know, Tennessee. You've got all of these amazing places, whitewater rafting right here, amazing views. And so it just became obvious to me that this would be a good place to go. And then about a year ago, Neil, um, you know, our parent company, Odyssey, owns CBS Sports Radio nationally. And I sent CBS some of my material and they liked what they heard. And they said, we'd like to give you a shot to be heard on the national network. And evidently I did okay. And now every few weeks or, you know, uh, once or twice a month, I'm on the national network as well. And um, it, that is a dream come true, man. And I, I wish for everybody that takes this venture of sports media that you get to live your dream. You know, my next national show is the 19th meal from 2 to 6 p.m. Saturday. Um, it's Florida Vandy Day, and I'll be on 2 to 6 p.m. Eastern nationally, and we're on 358 stations nationwide on the Odyssey app, cbssportsradio.com. So it has been um, a real, real dream come true to be able to, to do this. And likewise, what I admire so much about you is that you've really become a master of social media. And um, I think I do well with tweeting. You do really well with online content and with coalescing our amazing Florida Gator fan base. And so in that respect, um, I can learn a lot from you. And so I'm, I'm really thrilled to, uh, to be a part of this, man, and uh, happy that you had me on today. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I mean, I was due to it. Mean, you, you've had me on your show three times. I felt bad. I never had you back. <laughs> well, we, this is what happens. I am the pity guest, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's having me on as the pity guest tonight. No, you're, you were due. You were due. That's the thing. As I said, with the first words that came out of your mouth, y'all listening can hear exactly why this guy makes a living as a radio host. You're obviously very, very talented at what you do. And the guest list that you've compiled in your years of, of doing radio is is sensational. I'm honored to just have been a small part of it so i mean likewise it's an honor for us to have you a guest of your stature on our show talking uh florida south carolina today it makes for makes for great content so uh i mean we, we were talking off air about some content strategies about how you know opening up with with opinions is always a way to to catch people so one thing that i know every gator fan's got an opinion on and you can you can give a hot take or you can go traditional here and we'll yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But uh, one thing everyone's got an opinion on is the uniform combo that Florida Gators wear. So for you personally, what is your favorite Florida Gator jersey color combo, both at home and on the road? Well, I'm going to say something that's about to get me in real hot water. Because if they like the show, if they if they like, wait, we like this guest, maybe that's about to change right now. Oh, no. I am not a fan of orange. I'm not a fan of orange. You see me wearing orange. I'm coming on a... A Florida Gator, uh, a, a Florida Gator podcast right now. Um, orange. Someone will need to explain to me when your mascot is the Gators. Why our uniforms don't look much more like Hawaii's green and black? You are the Florida Gators after all. The Clemson Tigers wear orange because they are the Tigers, right? But Clemson fans, I, I go at this with them too. I'm like, look, orange is not a great look, you know. Uh, it's just not a great look. So with our gear, what you can do is you wear the blue with the orange trim. I'm trying to ignore the fact that Neil is wearing a bright orange hat right now, right in my face. You wear the blue with the orange trim. 
Orange should never be any more than a trim. So with that said, obviously, the best uniform combination we've ever had, okay, Neil and Chris, is the all blue. The baby blue is nice as well with the sleeves. I've got a Steve Spurrier 1965 jersey in my closet that is signed that I can pull out if you want. Um, a friend of mine here gave it to me. But the old school helmet with the white and the blue F and the all blue, where you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? The white F on the old helmet with the all blue, that is the look. And what does that look do right? It knows that orange should never be more than the trend. I, yeah, I totally agree. Look at that. My man, man, Chris, I knew I liked you. I knew I liked you. I knew 100% that I liked you. That is what it should be. Okay. So you were, were, Mark, I was going to ask, are you a major fan of the homecoming, you know, combinations that we did for, uh, not, we didn't do it this past year, but the three previous years. I, I absolutely love it. So, you know, we got to upgrade our helmet guys, you know, the orange with the cursive, Look, man, I'm a longtime Gator fan. I have a right to say that, okay? We can do better than orange with cursive. We can do better. Give us the white with the big, bold blue F. Give us the blue jerseys that just give you the little taste of orange trim. If orange is anything more than a taster, you're doing orange wrong. You're doing it wrong. Wow. Yeah, you might you might get in some hot water with some listeners for that. <laughs> you should have I mean, saved that question the... for the last question. See, now everybody's going to be like, oh, the hell with this guy. I'm out of here. <laughs> maybe I, not the, I, learned. I don't think the take on the, the throwback necessarily, but getting rid of the script orange helmet might cause a little bit of a riff with the fan base. But There's so much more you, you can do. You, so I think much more you can do. You know? I would agree. What do you What do you think of the talk? Because there's a ton of talk in our fan base, and I think every fan base across the country wants to do this. But to go all black, and Billy Napier has already said that that's going to be a thing coming up next season. Well, first of all, guys, I didn't mind. I mean, what was it? Year before last, what did they come out with the scales uniform, the green scales? Oh God! I, oh, I didn't yeah, mind five that years one. ago. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mind that one. I thought that was pretty cool. We are the Gators, Neil. We are the Gators. Have you ever seen an orange and blue Gator on your life that doesn't exist in some cartoon on a shirt? Gators, in my primary how logo, badass I have. Badass would it be? Can I say badass on here? How badass would it be if the uniforms were more like the color scheme of Hawaii's? It would be incredible. You know, it would be awesome. And you're like, well, that's sacrilege. Okay, okay. Well, then just give me some nice blue. Give me some nice blue with some white, maybe a little black mixed in, orange trim, we're good, okay? You lose me, miss me with the all orange stuff, man. Oh, I've never been in favor of all orange. No, I've just been in favor of the orange helmet with blue on blue. Okay. That's, that's, well, that's all well, I'm arguing You are for. allowed to be wrong, okay? You are allowed to be wrong, and I like you anyway, okay? See, guys, this is why we have them. This is the entertainment value that the radio host brings. It's great. Well, well, Mark, before we uh, before you go any further with the hot takes on the uniforms, uh, maybe we should get into some questions about uh, South Carolina and Florida. Um, but I thinking back to last year, I think a lot of Gator fans remember just the smackdown that South Carolina gave the Gators in Columbia. 
it was really, I think, the final straw for, for Gator Nation and, and wanting to move on from Dan Mullen. But on the other side, that was a, a tremendous victory for, for Coach Beamer and that program to beat Florida the way they did in such an emphatic fashion. So what was the fan base kind of like after that victory over Florida? Did they see it as a sign that he was going to get things going on the right track for that program? There has not been a single day of the year that has gone by where I have not been reminded in some form or fashion of that total embarrassment and beatdown. What was the line on that game? 22? 23? And I, and I was telling everybody all week, what was it? 20 and a half. 20 Too and much. A half? I was telling everybody all week, lay your house on the Gamecocks and that spread. I wasn't going to say they were going to win, but 20 and a half points when they're off a bye week and Florida just lost everything they were playing for against Georgia the week before. I mean, think about this. Like, a much inferior team to you can beat you if you play Georgia the week before and they have a bye week, right? That is the most unfair thing that anybody has ever seen. Um, And Florida, unfortunately, in my opinion, quits at that point. You know, I don't know if they consciously said, we don't want to be out here. But they weren't into it. They weren't engaged. You have a chance to beat the mighty Florida Gators at home. Of course, their fans were yoked, were jacked for it, man. And there hasn't been a single day that I haven't heard about that. As a matter of fact, this week, they're like, oh, am I getting ready, Mark? Uh, your your feed is going to be filled with thousands of Gamecock posts from now to the end of time if South Carolina beats that beats you again. So it is very much a known thing here that I am a Florida Gator graduate and alum, and therefore, by nature and the grace of God, a fan, okay? I'm very much a fan, and that is my team. One of my rules of sports fandom, guys, is you're allowed one big school and one small school. I need to ask you guys a question. So my big school is known. My small school is Furman. I believe it is true that at one point, our university chose to be UF so they didn't have to be FU. How amazing would it have been to be like, where are you going to school? I'm going to FU. No, seriously, I'm going to FU. And you know what Furman does with that? They don't, Furman is a, a very nice, beautiful campus where um, academics are king. You know what they do? Do you think they run from FU? They don't run from it. They own it. Their, their hashtag is F you all the time. I'm not lying to you. And then at a pep rally, they go F you one time, F you two times, F you three times, F you all the time. Can you imagine the branding that we missed out on choosing UF over F you? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this. Well, Mark, you, uh, you definitely set my next question up because obviously – FU, Furman University, is the alma mater of our coach, Billy Napier, now. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what your early impressions are of him, how he's doing as a head coach, building a program. What do you think of Billy Napier? I love Billy Napier as a CEO. And being at Furman as I am, uh, like going to Furman frequently in this area, I can tell you he is beloved there. Okay. He is known as a great human being, 
Furman has told me, Mark, in the offseason, we're going to make sure you get Philly on your show. Um, I can never get anybody from Florida on the show going through the sports information department at in Gainesville. And I imagine that you guys might have the same same difficulties, like Twitter and stuff is your best bet, just reaching out to people on, on Twitter. But um, I love Billy Napier as a CEO. He needs to hire an offensive coordinator. How many times this year have you felt yourself watching a game and thinking, I like the recruiting, I like the discipline. This time last year, the Gators would have quit. They're clearly still playing for Billy Napier. So he's, he's able to motivate kids. But, man, every time you see that tight end shift down, you know we're going to the zone read. And it is just way too predictable for me. I wish Dan Mullen was the OC. I wish Billy Napier was the head coach. And I wish, I hope that he hires an offensive coordinator in the offseason. Um, progressive, somebody who, um, Willie Korn, for example, former Clemson guy, is the OC at Coastal Carolina. Next time you get a chance on one of these odd Wednesday, Thursday night games, check out Coastal Carolina's offense. Tell me if that isn't one of the most creative, innovative things you've seen. And tell me how awesome that would look in the SEC. Um, I think... Billy is a great CEO, um, but I think when you try to wear too many hats, it's kind of jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I'd like him to focus on being CEO. Do you think that if he doesn't, because uh, I think a lot of Gator fans share that sentiment or starting to share that sentiment, but believe he probably will wait another year or two to, to do that. Do you think if he doesn't do that, it will limit his ability to rebuild the program faster and get back to that championship level? Yes, I do. Um, and, you know, like if I ask you guys, scale of one to 10, what is your confidence level that long-term Billy Napier is the right guy? And when I say long-term, I'm going to say that he'll be here eight years or more. What is your confidence level right now, scale of one to 10? I'd say six and a half. Five is I have no idea one way or another, right? Um, four would be he's probably not the right guy. Three, two, one. One is like, get this guy out of here, right? Ten is like, you have Nick Saban. You have the God of coaching. Um, my feeling is six and a half, seven, that he is the right guy long-term for the job. I like much of what I'm seeing. I like much of what I'm seeing in recruiting. I wish these rich Miami fat cats would stop buying all of our five-star recruits. Um, but I like so much of what I'm, I'm seeing from him from a CEO standpoint. Um, I, I, need, I don't like all the fourth downs when we're still in the middle of the game. You know, when we're still in it, fourth and five at your own 30, man, that's a desperation play. Um, and I don't like how this is by far – the worst Florida Gator defense than any long-term Gator has ever seen. Okay? Oh, that's hot. That's a hot by take. Far, by, well, um, Neil, it is objectively the case. That is not a hot take. That is objective fact. 2020? The, numbers. the, the statistics numbers. are worse in 2020. Yeah, like the by far, this is the worst. That defense was in the 70s. This is in the 100s. This is objectively the worst Florida Gator defense of all time. And I am, I am disturbed that this defense, um, despite being veteran-laden, you know, outside of the second half last week against a beaten-up 
really thin A&M roster um, has not shown a world of improvement. I'm hoping that we now carry that. And you heard me drop the wee shame on me. You should never do that in sports media. Florida is the one team I do that for. Okay. I'm hoping that Florida um, can build on the second half performance against A&M a week ago. Well, I'm not, I'm not really disputing the statistics. I'm just saying that when you go worst of all time or worst in memory and you, and you, you use the hyperbole when it was pretty bad in 2020, granted statistics are worse now and you do have the buy game against Eastern Washington in there, which is supposed to help you out. And instead they just run you over on their first two drives of the game and wind up with a still with 17 points and I think 300 or so yards. I, I get it, but I'm yeah, Marco Wilson getting mossed by a white dude with a torn ACL still rings pretty clear in my mind against Texas A&M. But, 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 but at some point, Neil, at some point you have to go by what you can measure, right? Sure. And by any metric that we measure, this is the worst Florida Gator defense of the modern era, right? Uh, by any metric. Florida has never had a defense ranked in the 100s at this point in the season before. So, um, you know, there's way too much talent on defense to have played like they have for as long as they have. And that that is concerning to me. I think Billy Napier is a great guy. I think he's uh, motivated his team. They're playing hard for him. I support them, okay? A lot, what a lot of fans like to say, Neil and, and Chris, and you guys, um, if I could give you one piece of advice, always be you. You're not representing the university, okay? You're representing you and your brand. And so speak your mind about what you see and don't give a damn about what everybody feels like you should do. Some people might say this and say, well, Mark Ryan doesn't represent your university. Well, no, I don't. I'm a guy with an opinion who works in sports media, but I love the orange and blue. I love the blue and orange um, with my whole heart, okay? And when you are so passionate about a school, the difference between love and hate is a fine line. You guys have heard that, right? Um, sure. We care so much that we do get angry sometimes. We do get pissed off at what we see. And it's because we freaking care. We care about what we're seeing. We have pride. We remember what it was like. We cannot, Florida cannot afford, hit it again. Florida cannot afford to have a fourth consecutive failed head coach. I don't right. think they will, but they can't afford for it to happen. I agree with that. I think that's definitely... And if Florida does screw up a fourth coaching hire in a row, then we we kind of approach Nebraska territory or Tennessee territory. Yeah. I don't know. Nebraska is its own mess there. But we we approach what Tennessee was from 2008 to just before this year. As for the claim that the 2022 defense is the worst of all time, and I'm saying, eh, I don't know about that. I'm just saying that a, a couple caveats. Number one, this defense in 2022 does still have 25% of its season still to go. Actually, no, it's got more than that, assuming they win one of their last three games and make a bowl game. But the 2020 defense was just situationally disgraceful. I mean, it was literally responsible for the single worst performance in terms of yards per game with 684 
in school history with that Cotton Bowl to Oklahoma. And then you'll go, well, a lot of the players were out. Okay, fine. That same defense in 2020 was also responsible for two of the other five worst single game performances in school history to Mississippi and Alabama. In fact, right there, that one team in 2020 to Mississippi, Alabama, and Oklahoma was responsible for three of the only five games in which Florida's defense has ever surrendered more than 600 yards of offense in a single game. Also, it helped itself out with that Vanderbilt game, a game that Florida still has yet to play this season, which is going to help bring the numbers down, we we would assume. Um, and, and yeah, just don't don't get me wrong. This defense in 2022, it it embarrasses itself. It it embarrasses itself when it steps onto the field more weeks than not. But I'm just saying it's it's still TBD, still still NA, still an incomplete grade. Let's at least give it the rest of the year before we we give it that crown. But yeah, so let's talk a little bit about uh, South Carolina's head coach in Coach Beamer. Definitely seems to have rejuvenated that fan base. Definitely seems to have gotten them to believe, as we talked about earlier, got the big win over Florida last year. Fan base was ecstatic about that. What would you say have been the main differences you've noticed between him and his predecessor? Well, Shane Beamer has got buy-in the way that Billy Napier is getting buy-in. And as an aside, South Carolina wanted Billy Napier. They interviewed him twice. Billy Napier ended up saying no. So we always have that on there, okay? Um, But they are more disciplined. They're more bought in, right? Uh, like like, Like we said about Billy Napier, the CEO quality of Shane Beamer. Uh, he is absolutely a player's coach. The, the players love him. The players love playing for him. And you could tell that when Will Muschamp was there, much like it was at Florida, the tail was wagging the dog. There was no discipline on the team. There was very little buy-in. Once the team was out of contention, the effort dropped off of a cliff. Late hits out of bounds. Uh, undisciplined penalties the entire game. They've really cleaned a lot of that stuff up, and they've really gravitated around Shane Beamer's passion. But I will tell you, Shane Beamer said something today that I couldn't disagree more with. He said, we're bowl eligible, and that's a hell of an accomplishment. Folks, and this goes for every program in America, ultimately, your team will be a reflection of what your fan base will accept. Again, ultimately, your team will be a a reflection of what your fan base will accept. How do you know that Alabama, Notre Dame, Florida... USC ultimately will always be great again because the fan base will not settle for anything less. I do not like the message of sending fan base that making a bowl, becoming bowl eligible is a hell of an accomplishment. But I'll tell you what, if South Carolina loses this game, there's a lot of that 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 doesn't flip completely. But if they finish six and six this year, not a game better than they were a year ago, this will come off as a very disappointing regular season for South Carolina. We ran polls on this, guys, with 6-6 uh, six and six last year, adding Spencer Rattler. Um, success was voted on as 8-4. and 7-5 and five would be acceptable, but short of the goal. 6-6 six and six would be a disappointment, um, and that's where they're at right now. So you've got a chance to be acceptable, but short of the goal with a win over Florida. And then if you can, you know, pull a miracle, beat Tennessee or Clemson, you have a chance to hit your goal, your mark of success of eight and four this year. And you should have those standards. 
Florida should have those standards. Florida should demand more than eight and four. But year one, three losses to top seven teams, four losses to top 25 teams. You finish with a run here at the end. Okay. We like the direction this thing's headed in. Yep. So I think uh, moving forward, kind of just looking at this game, Florida's offense is a pretty good ground game. They, you know, Trevor Etienne, Montreal Johnson, you know, and obviously Anthony Richardson has been fantastic uh, on the ground game. We had almost 300 yards of offense last week. Um, but th- that I, that is the case, though, because of, I think, our strong offensive line, guys like Osiris Torrance. Tell us a little bit about South Carolina's defense, though, how it lines up against that offensive line. This is going to be potentially a line of scrimmage game and who can run the ball most effectively. Um, what do you think of that matchup going into it? Yeah, I like Florida's chances to hit the number of 210 yards rushing that has seen Florida go unbeaten, right? 0-4 under 210 yards rushing, uh, 5-0 and over 210 yards rushing. I like the chances. I like the odds. Um, South Carolina's offense, and I know you asked about defense, but they're prone to a lot of three and outs, Chris, and that puts the defense longer on the on the field longer than they than they should be. Um, they have a couple of real good players on the defensive line, Jordan Birch and Zach Pickens, who have come to life a little bit this year, underachieved kind of uh, throughout their career. South Carolina's defense is not a world beater, uh, but it has been good enough to get them where they need to be. This is going to be a competitive game, you know, and my concern from a Florida Gator perspective is that South Carolina's defense has been much better than Florida's has this year. So can Florida's offense overcome that against South Carolina's sputtering offensive unit enough to make up that difference? So we also saw some new young receivers step up for Florida against Texas A&M last week. Caleb Douglas and Jaquavion Fraser is each catching a touchdown. Xavier Henderson and Ricky Pearsall are also there in terms of experience for Florida. They've done some nice things for Florida. And, and I'm just talking if Justin Shorter's hamstring is still bothering him and he doesn't play, Florida still has four guys that I don't know that you'd say are all Americans, but are certainly serviceable pieces in the receiving game. Um, so not a supremely talented group, but one that did make some strides last week. How do you think they match up against the Gamecocks secondary? Um, look, like you said it, um, this is not, there is no Percy Harvin in Florida Gators in, in Florida's wide receiver room. I think Ricky Pearsall has been, um, Mr. Reliable. And I am so encouraged and excited by the over the shoulder catch that Frazier's had for the touchdown. I mean, guys, we just haven't seen plays like that, many plays like that. So, um, you know, Florida's got to make enough plays in the passing game. You're not going to beat South Carolina beating being one-dimensional. The Gamecocks have made clear improvement, guys. A year ago, they should have lost at home to Vanderbilt. This time on the road, missing their best player, um, Marshawn Lloyd, they were never threatened. Uh, on the road at Vanderbilt this year. And if I could mention one concern to you guys, it's Marshawn Lloyd potentially returning against Florida's rush defense. Lloyd is special. That kid is special. Um, You know, Trevor Etienne is showing flashes of that special. 
Um, Marshawn Lloyd is now fully matured in that level of special. The speed and acceleration jumps off the page to you, and Florida better be ready because that is the guy that you have to take away um, or bottle up or contain if you're going to beat the Gamecocks. By the way, guys, let me show you this. I was talking to you about it, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm holding this with one hand. I got the Spurrier jersey. Now, now let me – you see this? This is the old school. I'm having to hold this with one hand because I'm not propped up. You see how it's signed? Would you guys wear a jersey that is signed? It's like I feel like I can't wear it because it's signed right there. You know, Mark, you, Mark, you got to get that framed. Yeah. I want to wear it. I can't wear it. What you, why can't I wear it? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. You get another one. Get a second jersey. Have him sign yeah. a second jersey, and that way, if something happens to it, if you get beer spilled on it or tomato sauce or some kid eating pizza or whatever, you guys still have the other one. Okay. Okay. Well, I wanted. I wanted to make sure I showed you guys that. Yeah. Uh, you have that. That is. It's. I would love to wear it. I'd love to wear it, but I feel like I can't wear it because it's signed. You know. It's a beautiful jersey. Beautiful Thank jersey. You. Thank you. Yeah, well, and actually, we so moving back to to, to Marshawn Lloyd, uh, what is his status for the game? Because I know you know he's he is coming off an injury. Um, do you think that injury is going to hinder him at all if he does play? Based on what you're hearing, so what I am hearing is that you know in in our years of doing this, guys, like you look for certain keywords if guys are or not going to play, and now you you know less than you've ever known before. I would be shocked at this point if he doesn't play. The level that he's going to be, I don't know. But I don't think he, they, he would play if he was less than 75%. So I think he's going to be there. I think, I think he's going to be a factor in this game. And if South Carolina wins, he's going to be the principal reason why. Um, guys, I think he and, and uh, Jameer Gibbs on Alabama are the two best backs in the league. Okay? As honestly as I can possibly be. And I know Gibbs is the guy that gets all the love and the attention. If you haven't seen a lot of South Carolina, just the speed and acceleration, man, it's cheetah-like. You know, it's just he he. There's a there's a level of uh, of that that reminds you a little bit of Percy Harvin with the way that he moves and cuts and gets in and out of breaks and just gets to the sideline in a blink. That guy is the real deal and is is certainly one A or one B best backs in the league. I don't know why you said you don't get along well with South Carolina fans. You're just standing there standing for their running back to be the best in the league. That's I mean, I, and look, I understand he doesn't have the offensive line that Alabama has uh, to block for Gibbs, but that's even still that is high, high praise. Well, he's uh, he's that he's that level of player, guys. He is. And for him to do what he's doing, minus the offensive line at South Carolina and that offensive line is better. It's improved. They're moving in the right direction. The Gamecocks have a top 15 class coming in next year. So Beamer's message is connecting with folks. Um, and they've got a lot of deep-pocketed boosters, which in the NIL era, I'm not a fan of this, right? I, I, I want the college football of yesterday. But um, that matters in, in the NIL era. So, um, you know, Beamer's got a lot of things moving in the right direction for him there at South Carolina. and. You know, if you're if you're Florida or if you're a fan of the Gators, like all of us here on this call are, it, it's a it's a tenuous time, you know, because you know that our expectation is to be 
winning this division, okay? Not just on par with George and Tennessee, but winning this division. And um, the first step is getting to the level that George and Tennessee presently are, right? You certainly don't want to have their boots on your throat and you can't ever climb above this second-class status. But, you know, like if you, if you look at where this league is right now, um, this is a huge game. It's, it's getting no love on the national scale. It's a huge game for both Florida and South Carolina because the winner of this game has a great shot to maybe finish the year in the top 25, to finish the year with a lot of momentum. The loser is like, woe is me. Well, this was a lost year. If Florida loses this game, can we not agree that will be the that will be the feeling? Well, five and five, this was a lost year. Okay. No, if we beat FSU, otherwise, okay. you know, because that 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 game has the and Clemson for South Carolina, because we know that those games have the power to turn a, a mess season into above average and you know above average to good and so on. That win has extra power, but for the most part, yes, agreed. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, a lot of Gator fans, you know, if we could win this game, the chances of us finishing the season eight and four become, I th- I would put it at a little bit over 50% at that point. And then potentially, like you mentioned, the ranking. I mean, who would have thought potentially that was a possibility even a week ago when we were, you know, four and four coming off uh, a bad Georgia loss? You know, I just, I think Gator fans would probably have taken it. Oh, no, 100%. And you look at the schedule, the final four games, and that's exactly what I said. It's like, okay, four and four, not a good feeling. Um, You had essentially all of those weeks of suffering because you had the bye week before Georgia. You knew what the outcome of the Georgia game was going to be. But then, okay, you survived Georgia. Now you look at uh, the lay of the land ahead. What game remaining is not winnable for Florida, including the bowl game? You know? I will never accept that Florida State any year is an unwinnable game because I was at the best game ever played in the Swamp, okay, uh, where Florida beat the number one and, um, you know, second-to-God team of, in college football history that was too good to lose to anybody. I was there, you know. It registered as a small earthquake at 32-29. I'll never forget it. So, you know... Forgive me if I don't just bow down at the altar of Florida State. I I will mention one thing. Credit to the Seminoles, because um, my research has shown that you know in year three whether you have the guy. Okay? Now, I still don't know if Mike Norvell can win at the level that Florida State fans expect. But can we say, can we agree, clear and obvious improvement has been seen in this year three for the Seminoles, which is when you typically get the sign if you have signed if you have the right coach. I wish he wasn't the right head coach, but uh, the signs are pointing in the direction that he very much could be. Year three for Norvell, year one for Napier. That's a huge advantage, Seminoles. But guys, especially if Florida wins this week, if Florida wins this week, they're certainly not going to lose to Vanderbilt. They'll be in a three-game winning streak. Um. I am just not a believer of the football that is played in the ACC. So, you know, I, I saw your tweet uh, about an hour ago, Neil. Yeah, seven points. Give me a break. Give me a break. That's a coin flip game on a neutral field at Florida State, Florida State minus three. Um, please spare me the Florida doesn't have a chance. 
Yeah, seven point spread for FSU is a little ridiculous because that I mean, and, and FSU could win the game by seven points. That wouldn't stun me. But if it's a back and forth game in which FSU scores the game winning touchdown with 13 seconds left when it's previously tied, that I, I don't know. I I was not my my eyebrows raised quite a bit when I saw that spread. Um, but yeah, so last question before we get into our final segment called the verdict, which is where we do the fun stuff and we. You know, we basically play Lee Corso and Desmond Howard, and we just make our predictions. Uh, last question before we get to that, though. And you're a guy who doesn't shy away from giving, you know, the bold binary takes. So earlier you said on a scale from 1 to 10, you would say 6.5 or 7 would be your confidence level, your level of certainty that Billy Napier is the guy. So on a binary scale from 0 to 1, are you willing to say to our Florida Gator fan listeners that you believe that Billy Napier is the guy not not one to ten not maybe not probably no are you willing to say he is the guy and then a little bit more in depth what has to happen for him to be the guy i'll go six and a half seven is a likelihood on a scale of one to ten that napier is the right guy long term uh he's doing great work to keep this team engaged and motivated they really like playing for him you can tell by just the body language the pats on the head for anthony richardson um and from what i hear in and around the program guys still being plugged in as an alum that, you know, he's built relationships already at the University of Florida that have the power to stand the test of time. Now, you and I and everybody else knows that it's a results-oriented game. Um, Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC, it's not going to be easier. There's a lot of great coaches that are going to be fired in this league because they're going to produce 7-5 and and 8-4 and records, and Billy Napier has to ensure that he isn't one of them. So, what Steve Spurrier said, and I keep going back to this, is that Florida is going to be back again when they're consistently delivering top five recruiting classes. You got to get back to that, back to that plateau, right? You got to get back to that level, back to that um, place on the top of the mountain. You know, you've got to be the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons. Oh yeah, in Florida, it is crime against humanity, guys. That this playoff has been going on now, going into its ninth year and the Gators haven't been in that thing, how badly does that hurt you? You know, because I refuse to accept that my football program is anything less than what it's always been in my mind, which is the pristine program in college football, which is one of the biggest and best brands in college football and a place anyone would be privileged to play. So um, Billy Napier's got to focus on results. I like the um, dismissal of Brenton Cox. Um, get that guy out. He was a cancer in the locker room. As Napier said, it's a privilege to play at the University of Florida. I think he needs to hire an offensive coordinator, and I think he really needs to keep an eye on the defensive coordinator position and ensure that, that progress is being seen here. Uh, we got two good quarters from this defense against Texas A&M, but those are two of the only good quarters that we've seen the entire year. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's I, – I guess you can say the first eight quarters of the year against Utah and Kentucky, the defense did its job. Kentucky does not the defense's fault. Richardson just hands them seven points. Um, but and, and, you know, Utah is an offense with two very, very, very difficult tight ends to, to stop, and they held them to 26. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to definitely see how that plays out and how the defense looks in weird two. So – Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. we got one game this weekend that you yourself said, not maybe on the national scale, but definitely within the SEC. And for these programs is huge. We've talked about it uh, 
a good length in this pod so far. Let's let's make predictions. So the verdict is our bow on the on the whole pod, and that is a um, it's a segment where we go and we give our percent chance we think Florida has to win, our keys to the game, and then our score predictions. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll go with keys first. What do you think the keys to the win are for both Florida and South Carolina? Uh, keys to the game for Florida are uh, making Spencer Rattler uncomfortable, right? Uh, the same way that you made Haynes King uncomfortable. We stripped Haynes of his Haynes in the last game. We made him so uncomfortable, Florida did. Um, and, and you know, when you do that, you can force turnovers, right? Um, you got to get to 210 yards of rushing. You know that. I know that. We all know that. But you have to find balance in the offense as well, Okay. Um, I understand Anthony Richardson has been a little banged up, but beyond that, it's been inexplicable to me how some games he's involved in the rushing attack and other games he's not at all. Um, he needs to be heavily involved. That is an element that you need to beat South Carolina. So for me, 210 yards rushing for Florida, forcing Spencer Rattler into mistakes, and then corralling to the best of your ability, Marshawn Lloyd, but you will see he's going to make plays against this Florida Gator defense. Um, it's the old bend but don't break thing, keep everything in front of you, try to prevent him from having the 50-yard run, but he is an electric, explosive player. So those would be my keys. Yeah, Mark, I, I have pretty much the same keys. I think the success to Florida last game was getting those major turnovers and running the football. And I think that this game is no different. They're going to need to get that statistic, like you mentioned, over 210 yards once again. And I and they're going to have to force Spencer Rattler into mistakes, which I believe they can and will. The pass rush for Florida has been getting better and better week by week. And secondary, you know, I, I think I've shown some signs at moments of, of some improvement. So I do think that that is a major key is to win the turnover battle. Anthony Richardson also, as a quarterback, has to continue to get better. As, as we've seen the last couple of weeks, but we need to continue to see that momentum. One of the things that I think that has not gone as talked about is the fact that Richardson's best games have actually somewhat been away from the swamp. You know, his first game against Utah was a great, very efficient game. Didn't turn the ball over. But, you know, you look at the, the Kentucky game, the USF game, you know, they weren't as his best games. He played pretty well against LSU. That was probably the outlier of the next great home game. But, even the, the Missouri game wasn't one of his finest games. So can he continue to build on the success that he's had in the last couple of weeks as a quarterback at home against South Carolina? So that's another key I have for this game. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are all good. And just to be different, I'll, I'll say the red zone is, is everything who scores touchdowns in the red zone, who forces field goals. And if Florida is forced to kick field goals in the red zone, do they make them? We've seen Adam Mahalik hit from 50. We've seen him miss from 28 this past week. Can Florida convert touchdowns in the red zone? And can they stop South Carolina offense from scoring touchdowns when they have the ball? Because, I mean, as as you said, Mark, uh, Lloyd is going to break tackles. This is a Florida defense that is just not good at tackling to start with. They don't do a lot of the fundamental things right. They're still – I still saw, I guess, Texas A&M, a lot of guys pointing, a lot of guys – pontificating at each other they were getting very irritated with each other before the snap especially in the first half someone must have been out of position someone must have been uh, creeping up too close to the line or just had a different gap or something and they're still you know getting out for each other about that so 
you add all that up and Marshawn Lloyd's going to make a lot of plays happen. Like you just said, even, even if he wasn't the best back in the sec, as you're talking about, because that's just what the defense allows to happen. So, but stopping them in the red zone. And as you said, Ben, but don't break if they cannot break in the red zone and force them to three, I think, uh, well, the team that does that more is going to have certainly uh, the inside track to win the game. So those are our keys. Percent chance that we think Florida has to win. This is our um, mocking of the the FPI, the football power index you see on uh, the ESPN app whenever you pull up a game cast. Uh, just from zero to 100, what chance do you think Florida has to win? Well, uh, gentlemen, I am going to stand up here and I'm going to flip the camera around because I want to show you what is a centerpiece in my living room. Okay, so here we go. Do you see that right there? Do you see that glorious stadium in all of its glory? Uh, right above its TV here. Okay. Uh, what is this? Oh, this is uh, Maction on a Tuesday night. Um, so you see this in all of its glory, ladies and gentlemen. And as a result of that, and as a result of just my knowledge, that we are still the envy of many, many programs and teams in college football uh, because of all that it means to be a Florida Gator. The Gators have an 80% chance to win this game, and the score is going to be 30-21. to 21. All right. Well, I, I, I'm pretty fairly close to you as well, Mark. I'm going to say 75% chance, so... For you know, one and four for every four games played, there's one that South Carolina would win. That's where maybe they just you know go off in the run game. Anthony Richardson doesn't have a great game, but I don't think that's the case this Saturday. I think that Florida feels very empowered and emboldened after this great victory over Texas A&M this past Saturday. They keep the momentum going. I think Billy Napier is finally starting to get through to these players on how to finish and win games. Uh, so I'm going to say that 75 percent chance. That we have winning. Before you go, Neil, and, and this is where I want to touch base with you guys. Do you get the sense that when this game airs, that it will feel like a big game in the swamp? Do you think the players and the fans are engaged in this enough so that you don't have to worry about the letdown kind of performance? I mean, to me, it's a huge game, but I'm in enemy territory here with Hancock fans breathing down my neck. There is nothing that will piss me off more than if Florida looks the way they did at the Open like they did a year ago. I'm hoping that enough guys were pissed about how that game went, went off, how that game played out, and that there is a – I'm not hearing enough about the revenge factor on this game because, frankly, last year's game was humiliating for anyone who calls themselves a fan or is in any way affiliated with the program. I, I, I think – I agree. I mean, I, just anecdotal data here – I didn't expect this game to be sold out, and it, it, it is sold out. I, You know, a 4 o'clock game in November against a South Carolina team that's not ranked, and it, and it sold out, I, I think is, is pretty amazing. I think there was an excitement from the fan base that they want to continue to come back and cheer this team on. And I think that atmosphere, you know, can fuel this team to victory. So, And it's senior day, too. I think that, you know, you've got a lot of guys that have been in the program and have given a lot over the last couple of years, many that have been in the program for, for six years, guys like Ventron Miller, I think that they play for people like that, the leaders that are building the culture and the foundation for the Gators to come in Billy Napier's era. And I, I think that that alone right there gets this team up and avoids that little bit of a letdown factor that you speak of. 
I think you guys are both right. And I think senior day is going to help electrify the crowd even more. I think the fact that it is, it is the last time these guys um, in the stands will see Ben Sean Miller, who has been a fan favorite for years now. Uh, the last time we'll see Amari Bernie, another guy with a lot of popularity. I don't know that that's going to help Florida's bad defense tackle. And that's what it comes down to for me. What I'm going to give my percent chance. The, you know, the atmosphere is all well and good. The, the, you know, the feelings, the electricity in the stands. Yeah. That, that all matters, but, if Florida doesn't tackle, well, that's not going to help them very much. So because of that, I'll say 62. I mean, Florida's favored. I think Florida has the better chance to win. I don't think it's a 51-49 sort of like coin flip territory number. But I, as Mark, as you said, this is a really, really bad Florida defense. And two quarters of football is not going to dissuade me from thinking what I thought over the prior month of action. So. 62, 63-ish percent chance for Florida. I think if you were to tell me, though, uh, this is, I mean, this is Dustin's thing. He's not with us tonight, but um, his his padlock stat, if you were to lock me in a room and you say, I'm not telling you to score, I'm not telling you anything but about the game, but one thing. And if that one thing is Florida's defense is able to limit Lloyd, I think that percent chance goes up into the 80s. If Florida's defense does the fundamental things right, if they are able to set the edge, if they're able to make tackles in the open field, and they're able to keep Lloyd from going absolutely nuts on them, I think that percent chance is 80 85%. But because we don't know that, I'll say 62. Uh, Chris, did you give your score prediction? I didn't. And I'm I'm gonna say hmm, I'm gonna say 31 to 20, Florida. I think that they I know the line on this game is eight. I think that they continue to have a strong performance from last week. Florida has kind of been around that 30 mark most of the season. And I, I do think that this game probably is a little bit close for the first half. And similar to the way the Texas A&M game was this past week. But I think in the second half, especially in that third quarter, Florida seems to really have an edge in this season. And I think that that's going to carry through again. And that's what separates them and, and gives them a a comfortable victory in the swamp. Two scores is comfortable, but yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, comfortable from where we've been at yeah, this season. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, Texas A and M was the first time that Florida yeah. beat an FBS opponent by multiple scores. Yeah. So I guess an eleven point win would qualify as comfortable. And who would have thought that? Just I just I know we're getting off topic, but who would have thought that going into the season when you look at the schedule? And and who we would beat by double digits at the FBS level, nobody would have predicted that that team was Texas A&M when the schedule was laid yeah. out in front of us. Most people pencil that in as an automatic loss. I did. I I thought that was a loss. I I paid for my flights and hotels and rental cars and all that, uh, assuming we were going to lose. I just wanted to see the atmosphere. But yeah, that was uh, that, that's wild. So my score prediction, I will say, I I think this game is going to be really scary. I think South Carolina scores first. I think they may have a lead at halftime or in the third quarter. I think Florida's talent disparity, and I think that their their hunger in the end will get them back into it, though. I think Florida's defense, I'm not going to predict a complete binary flip of a switch like we saw last week from the first half to the second half, but I do think that there is a step-up moment for the defense where they, that they get it together and they look competent, and the offense will – 
come together in the second half and and lead Florida to a comeback win. I think AR, I mean, he, it's possible he throws a game winning touchdown pass in the last minute or two. I think that it's gonna it's gonna come down to something like that. But I will say Florida will pull this one out. I'll say twenty eight to twenty four. So. Yeah, we had a lot of fun tonight, guys. We had a lot of uh, we we had some hot takes. Mark, really not a fan of the orange, the the Gator scale uniforms, is something that you're you're fond of. That's a hot take for sure. Uh, any any parting words? Any final uh, hot takes you want to get out there? Hey guys, we are look. We've got a lot. This team, this program, has a lot to play for the rest of the way. Um, I always say, man, enjoy the journey, right? Enjoy the climb, enjoy the, the, the grit and the, the, you know, enjoy just the fact that we're working so hard. And when you can do that, not only in with your team, but in your life, you're a happier person, man. So um, is Florida where we all want them to be? No. Um, is Florida on their way? I think it's likely the answer is yes. Right. And Enjoy the journey, enjoy the climb, enjoy the grind every single every single step of the way up. Um, you know, and look, the Gamecocks, we need to put them back in their rightful place in the bottom third of the SEC East. So let's make sure we do that on Saturday. Eh? I I like it. I'll be very like happy. I will, I will be dining on chicken if they do that. And I will be Absolutely, dining on chicken man. when they smile. Chicken on you, chicken on Neil, favorite wings. Here we go. Oh, I, I will. I will be. I will be setting a record for the number of wings consumed. If we beat them. I'm really not a fan of Spencer Rattler. I'm not a fan of his at yeah. all. So I will greatly enjoy rubbing that in Carolina fans. Well, faces. we got Florida's got to turn Spencer Rattler into Spencer Rattled. Okay, and sure. if they do that, uh, it, that that's happened quite a bit this year, right? If if uh, if the R changes to a D on the back of his jersey, Spencer Rattler to Spencer Rattled. Um, Florida's in for a really, really, uh, really good, a big day. Um, Neil, I could see the game being as you described it, right? I also could see one where, whoa, Florida's taking a step forward here. This is nice. I didn't expect to see a Sunday stroll in the fourth quarter, right? I think it could be that way as well. But um, none of us picked South Carolina to win. I owe you guys honesty. If I thought the Gamecocks would win, I would be honest with you. You've got me on video that you can now share till the end of time if I'm wrong. All right. Well, we'll be, we'll be eating it more than you will. You'll just go back and have to deal with your own Gamecock fans. We'll be dealing <laughs> it from our own fans. Um, I enjoyed it today, guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we enjoyed having you on. Before we before we call it a show, um, as I mentioned, you are you you do talk about Gamecock and Clemson Tiger football on the fan. Uh, where where can people maybe outside that area listen to you to get more inside info on the Gamecocks and Tigers? Oh, I would love to have you guys. Um, so the best thing to do is to download the free Odyssey app. That is A-U-D-A-C-Y. Okay? All you have to do is download the free Odyssey app. If you do that, you can listen to me locally in the Carolinas. You can also listen to me nationally on CBS Sports Radio. Next national show is going to be Saturday, November 19th from uh, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Um, so you just download the Odyssey app and you do a little search for the fan upstate and we'll be right there. Our show is called Offsides with Mark Ryan. I think I said a lot of offsides comments today in our little podcast. So uh, And so uh, we'd love to have you guys on. We're on 3 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. 
and I'm exhausted now. I have finished four hours on the air, another hour plus here, and then I've got a 9.20 hit and Charlotte tomorrow morning. So um, your boy, your boy is going to pop his favorite adult beverage um, and watch some action uh, and uh, live the good life now. But I appreciate you guys and congratulations to, to you on what you guys have built. Um, there's a guy like you that you may have heard of. Have you heard of the Spurs Up show in our area or no? I've like, heard of him, he, yeah. He, he, like, he's like you guys. He built his own um, media entity all about the Gamecocks. And I love seeing that. Uh, I love seeing you guys be able to build what you built, um, harness the passion of the fan base around a cause. And you guys are entertaining, man. So I'm, I'm really happy about your success and what you've built and nothing but uh, continued success your way. All right. Thank you. Definitely a mutual sentiment. Best of luck to you. And I mean, all you've done is rise yourself. I remember, uh, this think nine years ago, you were doing a show in Tampa and you moved to Houston and now you're doing national stuff. So you're definitely living the life. My boy is definitely going to have earned that adult beverage he's about to consume as he watches that maxion. Uh, and it's definitely appreciated on our end that you took your time to come on our show and talk uh, Florida, South Carolina. So thank you so much, Mark. And we'll be we'll be watching and listening and rooting for your success as well. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to the next time. Yes, sir.